Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to a Cinematic Universe minisode. I'm Seb Patrick, and joining me to bridge the gap between our Sonic the Hedgehog episode and either um, everything falling apart due to coronavirus or X-Men Days of Future Past, I'm not sure which one James would prefer, is... James Entz, you spoiled it, you spoiled who I was. (laughs) I did. Well, I could have just been referring to James in the general context of the podcast without you actually being here. But uh, yeah, so we're going to do, we're going to finally get to what I think is like, if you don't count New Mutants, and and I don't, <laughs> and we don't, <laughs> uh, the, the last X-Men movie, uh, last of the Fox X-Men movies on this podcast. So that will be our next film. Uh, if, you know, uh, I was going to say, if we're not all in self-isolation, we'll do that soon. Actually, if we are all in self-isolation, we will probably do it you know there's more chance of doing it so much faster it's not like we've got to go out to the cinema uh, to see things uh, but that's very much i think that going to be a sort of recurring theme when we talk about the news on this episode uh we're gonna we, it's been a little while since we did last did a minisode uh we are going to catch up on some stuff as best as we can uh we may well have missed some of the things that we haven't covered in news segments over over the last few weeks um but I think we do so with the caveat that anything we talk about, we are aware that circumstances of what actually gets released when might change between when we record it and yeah. talk about it Did and you see, um, when it's supposed to. F9 got pushed back a solid year. Yeah. Which is absolutely mad. Well, it's a bit like with James Bond. It's like, do you need to go back that far? Is that the first slot you could find where it fits? Or... Uh, are you kind of just taking this excuse to, um, you know, uh, do some work on the film? Yeah, with with Bond, I can sort of see, given given the production troubles of Bond, you can sort of imagine them going like, yeah, we'll take that extra nine months or whatever it is. Mm. But Fast 9 looks to be ready. Yeah. And it's more like they've gone, well, it's our spring blockbuster, so we want it out in the spring and there's no window for it elsewhere without shunting someone else. But yeah. I, I don't know. Very odd. Um, I'm glad I'm not a fan of that franchise, otherwise I would be fuming right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there, there are a few things that have been pushed back various distances for various reasons. Um, it hasn't affected yet, touch wood, as I say, sort of at the time that we record this, which which for, for the record is Thursday the 12th of March. Uh, so then you'll find out how long it takes me to edit a minisode. Um <laughs> the main thing that I think would potentially be at risk is the film that we've just had a final trailer for, which is Black Widow. So we are going to talk a bit about Black Widow. It is due to come out on, I think, is it the 1st of May? Uh, or at some point in May, anyway. And um, we'll, we'll talk about it as if it's going to come out then. And you, you would imagine that May is long enough away that, that, that things should be fine there and people will actually be wanting to go and see films. And, hey, maybe actually if, if that is the case, uh, you know... <laughs> There could actually be a boost for films that, that kind of come out afterward. Alternatively, this could all go on for <laughs> I was going to say, months alternatively, and months. <laughs> <laughs> um, alternatively, we will not be worrying about film releases. We'll just be trying to stay warm and yeah. find food. <laughs> well, on the assumption that we might get to see this film, um, the final trailer, um, I think, takes definitely a different tone from certainly the second trailer, which had sort of played up more comedic elements. Um, and I think it kind of expands upon and... I think it kind of answers a, a lingering question that we had out of the second trailer. Where I remember there being debate over whether or not 
um, the the various char- newly introduced characters, uh, i.e. Yelena, Red Guardian, and whatever Rachel Weiss's character is called, um, whether they were actually literally Natasha's family or not. This film certainly seems to suggest that yes, they are literally her family. And it could be that could mean adopted family, like we don't know if they're talking biological family because that would contradict what she said in Endgame mm. but it, yeah I think it seems more likely all of a sudden that this isn't like her metaphorical family this is actually the people she grew up with and was raised by Yeah, which is a surprise for me why is it a surprise for you? elaborate because well, I that. I tend to think that the Black Widow works best if you assume going to the red room took all that from her mm. and maybe it did take a biological family like we did we don't know exactly what the yeah the circumstances of that are but it seems if she's got a family unit there's less reason for her to go and have a found family in the avengers mm. it's like the avengers are her second found family <laughs> yeah exactly like i'll be looking closely at this plot to see if it contradicts what i think the black widow should be doing and then i will criticize the movie based on that <laughs> And more, more importantly, you will root your criticism in what you would have done instead, because that's that's how the internet yes, works. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think what this kind of trailer, then apart from that, mainly is interested in doing is is kind of giving us well. It, it certainly, I think, centering things more on Florence Pugh. Um, I don't think it does anything to dispel the notion that um, we are going to be seeing more of Florence Pugh in the Marvel Universe in the aftermath of this film, whether that's taking over as actually as Black Widow, whether that's doing something else entirely, uh, I don't know. But um, I would be astonished if they don't capitalise on, you know, her general standing in film at the moment um and and give her more out of this and i think centering her in this trailer seems to suggest that the other thing i think they seem to be be really kind of um showing us more of in this trailer is the action um i think kind of more emphasis on it as mm-hmm. a sort of action spy fighty mission impossibly kind of thing um lots of all it seems to be a lot of stuff kind of based around kind of falling through the air around what could put i mean what it calls to mind is that all that radio <laughs> tower radio satellite dish stuff in golden eye and things like that it's sort of uh you know very classic sort of yeah yeah bond was bond was what i went to as well when i was watching it i yeah. was like oh this is suddenly it looks like a spy movie yeah um i actually i like this trailer more than the previous two this is the first one that made me think oh yeah i'm actually quite interested in seeing this film Okay. So anything in particular about that or just the general feel of it? Uh, I think it looked more coherent. Um, Mm. The previous ones were a bit sort of... They were checking in a couple of teases, you know, a couple of jokes, but they didn't really... They didn't make me think this film had a particular take. Mm. And this, this trailer makes me go, okay, they are... They're doing a Bond type spy, spy thriller. Yeah. Um... So, you know, that's that's something I am interested in seeing. Yeah. And we got our, our clearest look yet in this trailer at Taskmaster. And we're not going to make the jokes. <laughs> We've done the jokes. Enough people have done the jokes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think we sort of, we, you know, we, we, as I say, sort of a very clear look at the role that Taskmaster's playing in the film as the villain, which is that um, they, and I choose my words carefully there, um, seem to have taken control of the Red Room and that that's sort of, it's about kind of, you know, uh, the sort of our, our our family unit team sort of going back and sort of if, effectively from the look of it trying to rescue the Red Room from, from the control of Taskmaster and whatever Taskmaster is trying to do mm-hmm. with them. Um, we still don't know who's actually playing Taskmaster. Uh, I mean, we can Except, guess. I mean, I think this trailer tells us pretty clearly who is playing Taskmaster and it's Rachel Weisz. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no reason she couldn't. Um, Did you... kind of change that's going to upset a certain amount of people <laughs> on the internet, but those guys can shove it. Um, 
there is a specific there's a very specific moment in the trailer and i assume this is what was being referred to when so okay for those who didn't see before recording this episode um i I put out on twitter uh for people to get in touch if there were things they wanted us to talk about because i thought we'd probably only have about 15 minutes or so of chat about black widow and the other stuff that we've got um and somebody let me see who it was uh miles burley said thoughts on the look slash fighting style of taskmaster in the black widow trailers um so i made sure to specifically watch out for this and i'm just gonna find in the trailer time code have you got the trailer in front of you james i will get it in front of me can you get it in front of you go to about one minute kind of 14 15 in the trailer right so that bit that bit of fighting with with red guardian Mm. and specifically that landing that's not a man (laughs) yeah no i think based on that is that is a black widow-esque landing um so although she she the character is also doing some captain america-esque stuff with her shield is their shield but no i think it's (laughs) it's fairly clear from this trailer if you look that that's a woman in the taskmaster outfit yeah yeah and if it's a woman it's surely got to be rachel weiss because we know the least about that character yeah it's surely not going to be florence Pugh. uh well hey i mean it could be but i just think um Given how little we know about Rachel Weiss's character, I don't think you put her in to play such a minor role as would seem to be the case here, unless you've got that big reveal. Yeah. So, no. um, yeah. I mean that that was that was my theory when we last talked about this, but I it's not. I don't even think it's a theory anymore. I think it's pretty clear. Yeah. And Marvel has a noble tradition of uh, female characters pretending to be male, so I'm glad that they're continuing that into the movies. <laughs> I'm going to have to ask you what which one you're referring to. Which one? There are tons. Like, Matty Franklin, <laughs> the Spider-Woman who pretended to be Spider-Man. Um, the Dallas Riordan Citizen V, who pretended to be the male Citizen V. Um, classic characters. Yeah, classic characters. I'm sure there are more. I can't think of them <laughs> off the top of my head, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Echo pretending to be Ronin. Oh, yeah. There you go. Wasn't that just a bad retcon, though? Uh well yeah but then they oh no or was the retcon that it was Hawkeye I can't even remember it was I think <laughs> it was about supposed Rodin. to be Daredevil and then they went no that's too obvious so let's make it right. a Daredevil supporting character uh, okay uh, but still comics. it's canonical yeah it, it as much as anything is these days <laughs> I mean they're not DC come on this is Marvel we're talking about <laughs> no they don't just reset it with a crisis every five years yep. yeah um okay so that was Black Widow. <coughs> that was me coughing coronavirus <laughs> should, I should leave them in on this episode actually yeah. for the, to give it a topical atmosphere <laughs> um, so uh, still on Marvel just a, a little kind of newsy nugget to talk about but I think it's something that kind of made us both go oh that's quite exciting and I, I don't think it's something that's kind of going to have a major impact on things um, but it's been reported that Richard E. Grant is joining the cast of Loki uh, apparently only for one episode, uh, which is why, as I say, I'm not sure it's necessarily going to have a massive impact on things. But if you were going to suggest an area of Marvel where Richard E. Grant turning up would be a really good idea, can you think of much better than Loki? No, absolutely not. And I've seen people suggesting that he's going to play an older version of Loki as well. And I think... I mean... <laughs> if that is true, yeah. it is damn near perfect casting. I mean, when you bear in mind that it looks like this series is probably going to be about different versions of Loki and whether that is alternate universe versions or from different points in his timeline and life, I think everyone seems pretty set on the idea that that that's kind of what it's going to be about and that that's what the logo means and stuff like that. And that coupled with the fact that they've said that he's appearing in one episode and they're not saying Mm -hmm. who he's playing surely he is either an alternate universe older Loki or our Loki older. Uh, and yeah, either way, I mean, that's just perfect. <laughs> it really is, isn't it? Yep. To the extent where I'll actually be disappointed if he's doing anything else other than playing <laughs> a version of Loki. Um, I don't really know what else there is to say about that. That's why I thought that would be a quite quick news piece to yeah, cover. No, I'm, I'm looking forward to the Loki TV series just because Tom Hiddleston's mm. great and... Everything that they've they've shown us so far suggests that it's going to have a really strong identity of its own. 
Mm. Um, and the the opportunity to see these characters bouncing off each other, if indeed they are interacting, mm. will just be unmissable. Yeah. Something I think is interesting, actually, if they are doing the the alternate versions of Loki thing, do you think the intention is that they could then replace Hiddleston long term and say, well, well, this is Loki now. He's he's changed his form and here he is, you know, in a cheaper and more available actor. <laughs> Not that Richard E. Grant necessarily fits that <laughs> well, description. But. Potentially, but just on, on the subject of you say cheaper and more available. And I'm just looking at... Uh, because I was like, it's occurred to me that Tom Hiddleston, particularly after that period of just being everywhere yeah. for a while, um, he has not. He's kind of really dropped off the radar, hasn't he? And if you if you look at his now, this as this this it could well be incomplete. But if you look at his filmography on Wikipedia, his last released film was Endgame. His last released mm-hmm. film before that was Infinity War. His last one before that was a voice in Early Man, and his last one before that was Ragnarok, and then in also in 2017 he was in Skull Island, and even on TV, you know, having done like the Night Manager in 2016, basically nothing since 2016 true, on yeah. TV. Um, now, as I say, he may well have popped up in other things that just aren't like listed on Wikipedia. Um, and I can't be bothered to click through to IMDb for the time it would take to, to give me a pause to load it. But that's really interesting, given, as I say, kind of how... I mean, I know there was a thing where sort of everyone thought he was on a bit of a annoyingly relentless self-promotional push for a while. And I think people got a little bit sick of him. And maybe he's kind of backed off because of that. I can't imagine people aren't wanting to give him work because like, he is a really good actor. And a really kind of charismatic presence on screen, um, but it's quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, I know in 2019 he was in Betrayal. He did two runs of Betrayal because um, mm. he did the one in London that I saw, and then he did the one in New York. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that's probably a good six months out of his year. But yeah, it's only six months. Like, yeah, 2018 seems particularly not very accounted for. Yeah, well, I in guess his life. <laughs> I guess when you're Tom Hiddleston and you've done, you know, you've starred in a TV series, you've mm. been a supporting character in all these Marvel films, you can probably afford to, you know, yeah, kick back and relax a bit. But I think that means that when this show does come along, I think we'll be quite oh, it's really nice to see him again, rather than, oh, man, not this guy again. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Very likely. Um, I really enjoyed uh, Kong Skull Island, so I I would like to see him back. (laughs) Okay. Are they they doing more with that franchise, or did Skull Island not do... I mean, I don't know if he personally survived the film, but... um, (laughs) this, This version of Kong, I think, is the... Kong versus Godzilla. Oh, of course, yeah. It's that's the, coming out later, yeah, so, so they're kind of building to that, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, well, yeah, some chat about Richard E. Grant turning into some chat about Tom Hiddleston there. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, <laughs> as well, we talked about the Disney Plus shows at length, and generally, I think we are quite looking forward to them. Um, there's one other, um, well, it's a couple of other, again, bits of new stuff that people have asked us about. Um, we had a few people asking us about Bloodshot. Uh, Mark Harrison said, why is Bloodshot? By which he means what? By which he means why? Uh, Josh Slater-Williams, depending on when the episode will come out, um, yeah, the film might be dead and buried by the time I've edited this podcast, but how we predict Bloodshot will do this week, given gestures at everything. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I can't imagine many people are going to see Bloodshot this weekend. It's based on a comic that most people don't know it's had very kind of it's not had like relentlessly negative reviews it seems to be fairly kind of two star across the board um it's had little to no promotion uh literally all i've seen is that poster in which he doesn't look like bloodshot (laughs) and uh yeah it's uh, and it's coming out at kind of peak (laughs) corona panic weekend so um all in all i don't think it's going to do very well yeah i mean in fairness to coronavirus people weren't going to see this film anyway 
Well, no. I mean, we do a podcast covering this genre and we were probably going to wait for it to come out on DVD, if at all. Yeah, I think we still might. Well, we do We, we, we do have a Valiant Comics expert as a, a previous guest on the show in the form of Claire Napier. So I think we do need to get Claire onto a podcast to talk about Bloodshot at some point. Uh, but yeah. I don't think we're going to be rushing out to do it now. No. Uh, it just looks like it's a fairly generic action film which as i say sort of i think what what disappoints me i mean admittedly not actually having any interest in the comics but you know if you if you if you google image what bloodshot looks like he's got a quite distinctive look that it baffles me that they've decided not to do on film and i read that it's because they thought it wasn't very like realistic and they couldn't come up with a realistic reason for it in the film but like just do it because it make it will make your poster look that much more distinctive. It's a comic book movie. Don't worry about whether the fact that the guy has white skin and a big red dot on his chest like is. Don't don't bother coming up with a good explanation for it. Yeah, just, I sort just of go with it. I sort of think their their reasoning is that look, Vin Diesel spotting that look would put off more people than just normal Vin Diesel will attract. Because there will be mm. some portion of audience that goes. Oh yeah, Vin Diesel. I like Vin Diesel. I'll watch that movie. But if he was dressed up bizarre, they might go, nah, no thanks. Whereas I look at the poster or I look at pictures from it and I go, oh, that's a really generic looking Vin Diesel movie. I've got no interest in seeing it does, that. It, lo- so. it looks and sounds like a straight to Netflix shitty action movie. Yeah. And I will be in- extremely shocked if that is not the film that they actually delivered as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, we may well cover it at some point, but I don't think we're massively excited about doing so. It does feel like something that, like if it had come out ten years ago, you know, we'd cover on the podcast as a sort of, oh hey, remember that that bloodshot film that they did? Uh, yeah, but in yeah. much the same way, we sometimes go, hey, remember there's a man thing film we could do? <laughs> yeah, it's not come around yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Um, and just so just one more the other question that we had that was about sort of recent things and I don't know if this is anything that you'll have an opinion on as you can imagine I certainly do uh, William Holmes asked us our thoughts on the Batman reveals so far um, the costume the cowl and the car uh, William says he's not a fan so far but interested to hear our thoughts James do you have any any bat thoughts on, on, um, on our bats so far I have no strong opinions really it looks it looks like they've dragged it a bit more towards the comics um, as compared to Christine Bale's version and maybe, I barely remember what Affleck's version looked like, to be honest. Um, <laughs> it looked like someone cosplaying Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. I sort of think, like, judging judging the, the look of that stuff on based on leaked set photos is is kind of on hiding to nothing because they will they will be extensively CGIing this stuff yeah when we actually see it so you know I'm not I'm not too bothered either way what it looks like now because it, it'll only matter when we get a trailer 
Yeah, I think you know. I mean, obviously we've uh, um, because Matt Reeves put out the kind of photos of him in costume with the car. That sort of what they give us is a first look at the cape because the set photos that we'd seen. Uh, were, were capeless, unsurprisingly, because you know there'll be something that they'll CGI in afterwards because they always do these days. Um, but we've got a kind of silhouette look at him in in the costume, and and with the cape, it does immediately look a bit better and more Batmany than than the set photos that we saw. Which, as you say, it's kind of it is it's never really fair to to judge on set photos. I mean, do you remember those first set photos of Shazam and stuff like that? You know, yeah. Um, I mean, I do. I think that there was obviously. We, I think we haven't even talked about on the podcast the the little teaser video that you know the camera test video that Matt Reeves posted, where you know, it felt like they deliberately didn't show the ears, um, which which do look a bit more more kind of pointy and and bat like than than the Christian Bale version. Um, they showed us the chest emblem, which which people pointed out appears to have been made out of a gun and seems to have extrapolated the the Kevin Smith written idea um, that he makes the bat symbol. Um, I mean, in the Kevin Smith comics, it's actually he makes a bulletproof shield behind the bat shield out of the gun that killed his parents. And here, it looks like he's actually made a bat logo out of Joe Chill's gun, which is which is a choice. So we'll we'll, yeah. we'll see um, what follows from that. But yeah, I mean, I think until we kind of properly see it and see it in action, it's it's hard to judge the costume. It's a it's a movie bat suit. That I mean, to me, that I, I don't think there's been a good movie bat suit. I think they all. Right, I I, I um, completely agree. That's that was something I was going to bring up, which is that I don't think there's any screen version of Batman that matches the comics version. In fact, the the screen version of Batman that I like the most is the Adam West version. <laughs> yeah, because it's a dude in a grey costume with a dark blue hood. Yeah, it's like yeah, that's that's what he should be wearing. Yeah, uh, you know, ever, ever since then they've kind of always had to go the 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 armor route, and I I kind of hoped that this film would go for a kind of a lighter grey and a kind of more nimble outfit with a kind of you know a black or I don't think they'd go dark blue, but maybe like a black cowl and a grey suit. That's something that's like here's a guy climbing around jumping on rooftops. Yeah, I mean that's liked, the thing, isn't but... it? Right, the the version of Batman I like is the the stripped back like detective version. Mm. I I really wish they would do a Batman movie, a big budget Batman movie that con- that focuses on him as a pulp detective rather mm. than him as like this sort of pseudo militaristic like yeah. action psychopath. <laughs> well on that note that, that actually that gives us a really nice segue into talking about the car uh <laughs> because i mean you know it's still it's still very designed it's still very batmobile kind of particularly from the from the back view but they have definitely pulled back on those militaristic <laughs> they elements. pulled back on him driving a tank <laughs> Yes, it it is a car. It's not a tank, and I'm I'm really thankful for the fact that it's a car and not a tank. And it's not like I don't like the previous Batmobile designs. I think that I think they've all got something going for them. My issue is we had three films from Christopher Nolan and then uh, two from Zack Snyder slash Joss Whedon. Let's not get into that now. Um, where the Batmobile was a tank. That's five films in a row where the Batmobile is a tank. And I'm not saying the Batmobile should never be a tank, but if you keep on doing that in the films, you make it so that the Batmobile kind of always has to be that. And the joy of the Batmobile is that there are so many different versions that I think it was about time we got a Batmobile that didn't feel like one that we'd seen on screen before. Um, you know, sort of the the Tim Burton slash Joel Schumacher era ones are all basically evolutions of the same concept. Um, so I, I like that this is because there absolutely have been reasonably lengthy eras in the Batman comics where the Batmobile is not much more than a than a, a fancy black car, mm-hmm. possibly with a bat painted on on the hood. But um, you know, the the idea it doesn't always have to be this elaborate beast of a car and i think kind of pretty much from the from the 70s all the way through to first the tim burton film and then the kind of the early 90s comics with the norm brayfogel designed one throughout all of that period they had gone back to it being a car they hadn't had big massive fins and elaborate designs so um it is nice to see that era represented it's a sort of i think I, I said on on twitter you know it feels like it could have been drawn by uh marshall rogers or uh neil adams or jim aparo or somebody you know it really does feel like you talk about liking the idea of batman as a 
kind of more of a street detective and as i say you know there is design to this it it has got a bit of ornateness to it but particularly from the front view uh it's it's a car (laughs) that you can imagine him driving (laughs) around gotham um i really like as well actually i mean i know i know they're just like rear brake lights but um the fact that the lighting at the back is red um because kind of black and red on a batmobile um, yeah. Again, I don't think the movies have really done that. It calls to mind, obviously, the Adam West colour scheme the, with the black and red. And I think when <laughs> yeah. when you got the redesigned one in the Grant Morrison era, that was that was kind of all all the kind of lighting on that was red as well. It was a kind of a sleek black car with with red on it. So uh, you're going to moving away from kind of the shiny blues and stuff of the, the bright blues of like on the Burton uh, not Burton the Schumacher era and stuff. Um, yeah so I, I mean i know it's you know it's not you can't read a lot into a film from a couple of pictures of a car but um, <laughs> but we've given know. it a good go <laughs> well we're a podcast about comic book movies of course we're going to talk about the batmobile it's the batmobile <laughs> batmobile is just one of the best words ever <laughs> right it, it just nothing like... that's not the thing the problem with batmobile <laughs> is it's such a fun idea and batman is such a not fun character <laughs> Like, yeah, but Batman can be a fun it, character. It really speaks to the the sort of arrested childhood of Batman that yeah. he he wants a cool car that has a logo of a bat on it, <laughs> and he calls it. The he Batmobile. doesn't call it. He doesn't even call it the Bat Car. He calls it the Batmobile. It's just <laughs> yeah. I could just get great joy out of saying and seeing that word. Um, in fact, that's I, that's quite funny because it's something else that somebody asked us on on Twitter was to do a, a crossover with your other podcast and do an, an etymology of superheroes. And I thought, <laughs> well, that's actually we should save that and maybe do that as like a Patreon or something where we can give it some thought beforehand. Yeah, but no, we should. Definitely. There you go. You you have had a bit of word chat about how about how Batmobile is this the most fun word in <laughs> comic book and superhero movies. You can find that at the podcast by searching for what's in a name on iTunes. Yes, you can. <laughs> Does it have a website yet? We're not going to bother it? with a website. Yeah. But then it's easier. You can say, find it at soandso.com and then get annoyed when you have to renew the domain more expensively than you bought it for the first year. <laughs> and you're like, oh, but I can't get rid of this now because I've said it on every episode of the podcast for the last year. Not that this you're has really just happened to me with mythinfinity.com. <laughs> Um, okay, what else did we get uh, in the way of questions before we wrap this up? Um, Hector McGregor asked, what's our favourite comics with a pandemic in them? And I actually have an answer to this. And I don't know if Hector knew that I would have an answer to this and what that answer would be. Do you know what this answer is? Not off the top of my head. It's contagion. There is there is oh, a big yeah. Batman crossover all about a deadly pandemic. Um, it was basically sort of through the 90s. Um, they didn't do it with all the characters. It seems to do it more with Batman than anybody else. They would do the kind of the big crossover that kind of ran through the books for a period of time. Obviously, sort of, I think probably the, the first big example at DC was when they did the, the Death and Return of Superman. And that was so successful that they did Nightfall with Batman in 94. It then took them until 96 to do Contagion. But you basically then ran through the events. Contagion fed into Legacy, which fed into Cataclysm, which finally fed into No Man's Land, which lasted for about three years. Is, <laughs> land is, is enormous it's got some really good stuff on it because it's when uh greg rooker and uh ed brubaker were writing batman stuff and uh i think um uh oh what's his name uh, larry larry hammer was doing some stuff and people like that it was sort of there were a load of people who weren't you don't usually expect to see on batman comics were writing batman around the time of no man's land this story where gotham is basically um like a <laughs> Declared a no man's land. Uh, yeah, basically, yeah, it's sort of sealed off from from like the rest of the country. Um, but yeah, Contagion was kind of the start of all that and was the first sort of big trouble event to to hit Gotham. Um, to be honest, I don't remember a huge amount about it. I remember reading it. I remember it being something that a bunch of us in school were following at the time. We weren't necessarily like buying all the comics, but I'm sure somebody like probably got a trade of it. And I know that the odd issue of things like Robin and Catwoman that I remember reading at the time like were crossovers with it. I think Poison Ivy, well, as you can imagine, it was about a contagion, so like Poison Ivy was heavily involved in some way. But it was just basically about a a plague virus you know hitting gotham and causing chaos so all i've got is um the legacy virus from x-men in the (laughs) 90s which um 
it it comes like the start of the legacy virus story is really good because it comes at the conclusion of one of my favorite crossovers which is the executioner's song um mm. which does a bunch of really fun stuff with like um telling the backstory of cable and his his clone or is it strife um like and at the end of the at the end of the crossover the the legacy virus gets released which is a plague that only affects mutants and it was a bad AIDS metaphor um, that wasn't very well executed. And also they they started that storyline, but didn't really know where they were going with it. <laughs> so it sort of rumbled on for like six or seven years before they went, OK, we just we need to finish it off. So they finished it off by sort of randomly killing Colossus and saying like, yeah, he sacrificed himself so that the cure could be released. Um, but in between that, there were some really good stories about people like people's powers deteriorating going out of control um colossus's sister Ilyana like caught it and died like there was some there was some good stuff in there mm. the storyline as a whole was not great yeah. but that's my favorite comic comic contagion <laughs> did you know that marvel had a comic called contagion like literally at the end of last year it, 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 it was a five issue weekly event uh called contagion <laughs> nothing nothing makes me think skippable like a five issue weekly event so <laughs> written by ed brisson um uh... ed brisson yeah I have no apparently according to ap- apologies if you were going to read this on marvel unlimited and you don't want it to be spoiled but apparently in the final issue the entire marvel universe was saved by moon knight that's moon knight moon knight interesting yes moon knight to watch saved out for. everybody uh, yeah, I, I feel there like it's going to be Moon Knight's year. <laughs> Could well be. It's got to be somebody. <laughs> it's got to be eventually, right? Yeah. <laughs> um. Right. Do you, Do you want to answer any more questions from from Twitter? Let's do one more. Okay. Um. Well, I'll, I'll run through ones that I think we, w- we would want to give more time to. Uh, so Mikkel Lodal asked for a segment on superhero video games, which we've kind of vaguely talked about a little bit in the past, but I think that's something that we would want to do. Uh, yeah, we're going to save that for a bonus episode, definitely. Yeah. We've thought about uh, it many times. Yeah. Uh, Scott Pontier says, New Mutants, you cowards. Doesn't exist. Uh, we are going to cover New Mutants, to be fair. We will cover that as a new release. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever it comes out. We haven't had to do one of these for a while, uh, and, and I haven't got Joe to do it. But breaking news alert! <laughs> right, this is an insert. So the rest of the podcast that follows this was recorded before this. But we literally just disconnected from from recording the Minnesota that we're doing right now. And I went on Twitter, and a tweet reads: "Breaking: Disney delaying Mulan, Antlers, and New Mutants." <laughs> New Mutants is not going to be released in April. I am now throwing live over to James Hunt for his reaction. <laughs> Just what the fuck? <laughs> How even I, even I thought this movie was coming out, right? <laughs> even I thought it was coming out and it's not coming out. <laughs> I've never you been just... more amused to be right. <laughs> <laughs> Will we ever see it? Will we? At this point, why bother? If they had just done what Joe said about a year ago that they should do and just stuck it on Netflix, it could actually clean up. Like, you know, this is the perfect time to release something on Netflix. Yeah, because people can't get to cinemas. And this movie has been delayed so many times. It has enough of a reputation that people will be like, I want to see that in a way that they won't be if it costs 20 quid to go. Oh, I suppose, well, it wouldn't be Netflix now, would it? It would be Disney Plus, which is due to launch at the end of March. Stick it on Disney Plus for crying out loud. I think that is more likely to happen than ever. Well, if it was more likely to happen, they'd do it. They wouldn't be saying that they're delaying it. Well, but. give it give it a week for them to digest this. <laughs> I just I cannot fucking believe this. Yeah, but I they honestly can't. What's interesting as well is obviously we were talking just before about Black Widow and whether Black Widow might just escape it. Those three films were, were slated to come all slated to come out in April. So that's mm-hmm. Disney's April slate has been delayed. What that basically means is Black Widow, which is set for the first of May, is the next on the chopping block. It's basically if anything else from Disney yeah. goes, it's going to be Black Widow. So we we if may not be seeing. Coronavirus rolls Black on Widow longer than they're expecting. Yeah, 
but wow I, I, I just for the comedy timing of that for that to, to come up literally just after we got off recording the episode where we where we skimmed past new mutants because it didn't seem like there was anything new to say about it so the new mutant saga continues i feel like going back it's, it's a, no it would be too much of a job to work out which were all the episodes on which we've talked about new mutants in the news section i feel like i want to go and stitch together than, yeah a stitch together a sequence of every time we've talked about new mutants on an episode just when we, what was its original release date um i was just looking this up actually uh because it does say um, the original release date was the 13th of april 2018 so more than two years after its original release date yes and it uh it was filmed between july and september 2017 there is going to be such a lovely time capsule for the people in that film because <laughs> they can yeah, go back and they're they going to be able to remember like. their teenage years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to make a sequel difficult because it's going to be extremely old mutants if they make a follow up. The funny thing, right, is that they would have been appearing in this film on the promise of like, hey, this is going to be a big new installment in the X-Men universe. Yeah. Like, who knows how many times you'll be back and... <laughs> Wow. And also, you know, this is going to be like probably your first major movie role of the you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Can you imagine them, them like being asked to promote this movie? <laughs> what did I do again? Yeah. What was that? Which one? 20 when? Oh, amazing. They'll be like, I'm looking forward to seeing it because it's been so long. I don't remember what I did. And to think we thought when Gambit finally got cancelled, to think we thought that like we wouldn't have a saga like this again. But <laughs> oh, brilliant. Uh, right. Amazing. Uh, well, I think that's about all we need to say about that for now. Yeah. <laughs> so uh we'll we'll throw you back to the, the main episode, but just know as you listen to the rest of it that we're gonna be laughing about this for ages. <laughs> Mark Harrison, again, I think this one's too big a question for now because we could spend ages coming up with examples and talking about it, but I think this is a good one to pick up at some point. Could even be a question for the for the opening of the next episode, which is, which non-DC slash Marvel comic book property remains overlooked in the IP wars? Given a bit of movie dosh, what would we option that's not DC or Marvel? Uh, this is in relation to to Bloodshot. Uh, I'd say let's 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 pick that up on a on a few. Let's have so, let's have a think about that and pick that up on a few. Yeah, I've got a lot of examples. answers to that one. Exactly. Yeah. So let's yeah. let's not go into them now. Let's answer Daniel Hardy's question, which is favorite comic book films that you like to revisit, preferably somewhat upbeat films. Ideally, this feels to me like a sort of we're all going to be stuck at home for a while and we're going to want comforting things to watch. So. Obviously, everyone's got their comfort films, but what what have we got as as revisitable comfort films specifically in comic book and superhero? Um, so my ones are um, Avengers: Infinity War, um, Avengers One, and Iron Man Three. Uh, those are three. I never get sick of seeing those movies. Um, outside of Marvel, Ghost World. Um, <laughs> yeah, you nick my answer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to think of non non like of other superhero movies outside Marvel. It's really hard. Marvel superhero movies are so good that I the others pale by comparison. <laughs> X Men Two, maybe I don't know. Oh, Deadpool, Deadpool One. I think Deadpool's a, a good rewatcher. I mean, I was going to say there the are films that we've covered where we've acknowledged when we've watched them that we that we love them and that they're brilliant and have a lot of affection for them. I'm thinking primarily like Raimi Spider-Man, like Spider-Man Two. Oh, when yeah, you actually choose to sit Both down and watch it, I don't know if that's necessarily. I would think of that as a go-to, as in, oh yeah, I really fancy rewatching that. I was, I was, you know, I loved it when we rewatched it for the pod, but um, I don't know if that would fall under that sort of comfort revisit kind of film maybe 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 it should maybe i should try more often i mean ghost world definitely for me ghost world is one of those films that i try not to go like more than a year without re-watching at some point <laughs> uh it just <clears throat> and it is proper sort of you know there's it's it's definitely one of a few films that like in this house is if if we together want some comfort watching ghost world is a is a really good one to dig up for that yeah i mean i don't really comfort watch films so it's a tough question but <laughs> it's definitely a it's definitely a good choice if i was gonna 
If I wanted to say watch a film that I knew was going to make me happy, Ghost World would definitely be on that list. Mm. I I think for me as well, and I think I know the second one is it's controversial to say this, but both Guardians of the Galaxy films, I uh, you know they they have very much for me become if that's on TV uh, or whatever you know if I stumble onto it part way through, I'll happily watch it to the end. Um, I think. Uh, that seems to have happened a fair bit with with Winter Soldier actually as well. Winter Soldier felt for a while like if I seem to remember like there was a period of time when I, when I was living with my parents when we first moved back up here and like we'd just like in in the evening randomly be sort of flicking through Sky and either Winter Soldier or, or I think Civil War for a bit as well would just be on one of the movie channels and wherever it was up to <laughs> we'd end up sitting and watching it all the way through and Winter Soldier in particular. Um, does hold up to doing that really nice. It's an odd thing to say about a, a quite dark conspiratorial <laughs> film. I think the thing with Winter Soldier is if you catch Winter Soldier at or just before the Fury chase scene, um, you're going to sit and watch that scene and then you're going to be hooked for the rest of the film. <laughs> so um, I think that's one. I'm trying to think, yeah, what else is there that I would actually... Because I don't, one, I don't I often just go back to the to the Marvels. Yeah, I, don't, I often go back without a reason, though. It's like, and I think that's that's that that revisit thing is a sort of. That's I want thing, to watch right? something. They're, one of my they're so long. <laughs> they're so long <laughs> that it's really hard to just think. Yeah, I'll stick that on this evening because if you do, that's your evening disappeared. <laughs> yeah, I think probably like yeah, I think probably the first Superman is is one to go back to for that as well. Just um, Teen Titans. You know, flaws, Teen Titans go to the movies. <laughs> well, that's. Uh, I mean, yeah. Revisit is when when you've got a child who wants to rewatch something <laughs> over and over. It becomes a it becomes a slightly different dynamic then. And certainly, yeah, that film. Um, <laughs> it does stand up to rewatching a lot. I mean, in the last, yeah. Teen Titans go in general. I think you cannot go wrong with that show. It's just brilliant from start to finish. Yeah. So if I was going to say if you if I was going to recommend that anyone like watch anything over this break that they haven't seen I would say just get into Teen Titans Go. Like if you're stuck yeah. at home south and there's a lot of it out there. Right? There's tons of it. It takes a little while to get yeah. going. The first season isn't actually that amazing, but as soon as they set up the characters and the running gags, it becomes so fantastic. So just mm. dense with jokes. It's as dense with jokes as anything like The Simpsons or Rick and Morty or anything along those lines. Um, mm. I fully recommend getting into Teen Titans Go, regardless of whether you have children. <laughs> and if you're stuck at home and uh, and you don't have to worry about like something that's suitable for children, then watch The Tick and the Boys. <laughs> there's there there's your there's your watching for if you're stuck at home. As far as I'm concerned. <laughs> um, I tell you what, I will, I will just throw one more just on this question before we wrap up. Uh, particularly, I think, revisiting. And films that have a certain amount of comfort, I think partly because of the circumstances of when they came out and what they were, but Scott Pilgrim. like, Ah, uh, yeah. And you can, you, can, you can pick up problems with Scott Pilgrim, and I'm sure we have, and I'm sure we always will, but just the existence of that film and that it turned out to be remotely the way that it is... And I think actually, as more time goes by, particularly when you look at who's in it, and you know, right, that I mean, the fact you know, the fact that such good things, <laughs> yeah, and you know, and and it's like you know, that cast are still newly popping up in things we love on this podcast, like most recently Mary Elizabeth Winstead in in Birds of Prey. Yeah, um, it it just more and more it just becomes this wonderful little little capsule of a particular time, and so for all that <clears throat> it doesn't necessarily quite get right. I think it's it's always nice to go back to. And as I say, it's just a reminder of that bizarre six months to a year where very briefly Scott Pilgrim was like the biggest thing around. And, you know, we're we're ten years on from that now and that that actually feels more baffling than it might have felt before it happened. But it, it really was a real time that we all lived through. And uh Yeah. Yeah. Um Okay, so I think that's about it, I think, for our coronavirus special. <laughs> um, you know, ho- hopefully enough there to get you through until, as I say, we're sort of doing... Well, I think I think Days of Future Past is going to be a, a fascinating one to cover. I remember really liking it at the time, and I don't think I've watched it since. So <laughs> Interesting. I'm interested to see if it remotely holds up 
um, or if it's actually bad, if it's actually bad like Apocalypse was. So, <laughs> uh, and I have a feeling you're just like not keen at all. Um, yeah, it it wasn't the film I was hoping it would be. Put it that way. <laughs> so you've got knows, that to look forward I'll, to. Maybe I'll revisit it and, <laughs> and love it. Are we going to watch the original cut or the yeah. rogue cut? Oh, I completely forgot about that. I don't think I've watched the road cut. So if I can get hold of the road cut, um, I might watch that. That would Maybe make sense. Because we'll otherwise, well, it's like, like when we did the Wolverine, and I remember, was it, was it, we were, t- we were talking to Joe about it afterwards. Oh, that's yeah, because in fact, no, it was on the podcast. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't offline. It was, it was literally on the awards episode. Joe was baffled when we were talking about the best scene in the Wolverine because he hadn't <laughs> watched the extended edition. Yeah, and we were like, "This film is great," and there's this amazing action sequence in it. And he was like, "What? I don't remember that." <laughs> <clears throat> so, just in case the road cut contains all the best stuff in Days of Future Past, we'll yeah, we'll try and do that uh, with our with our special guest. We've got a new special guest making their debut on the podcast as well, so you've got that to look forward to. <laughs> Uh, so we'll be back whenever that comes out. Uh, you know, I, I always try and make some kind of prediction about when they're going to be <laughs> at the end of episodes, and it often ends up being wrong. Definitely so, in March. Uh, you know, yes. No, well, probably in March. Yeah. <laughs> no, definitely in March. Yeah, otherwise we yeah. won't have done a main episode in March, will we? Yep. So definitely in March. We will do Days of Future Past, and then we'll figure out where we are after that. Uh, so, yeah, hope you enjoyed listening to this. Uh, Oh, it's a mini so don't need to do the usual bump you know where to find us you know we've got a patreon um we'll see you for the next main episode goodbye oh and thanks to everybody who sent messages in on twitter that was really helpful <laughs> goodbye <laughs> bye deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.